Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. Her name is Phoebe Yu. Phoebe is the CEO and founder of Etitude. While shopping for her own home after moving to Melbourne, Australia, Phoebe spotted an opportunity within the bedding market to create sustainable luxury for less. Her vision of revolutionizing the bedding industry saw Phoebe bridge together her entrepreneurial instincts, passion for sustainability, and understanding of fabric technology. After years of testing materials, weaving and dyeing techniques, and harnessing a decade of experience working in supply chain management and merchandising, Phoebe perfected and launched Etitude's innovative bamboo liosol fabric in 2014. In 2020, Etitude closed a $1.5 million seed round and was named an Inc. 5000 fastest growing private companies in America. Prior to Etitude, Phoebe had founded two international trading and sourcing companies in Asia. Phoebe, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, very excited to be here today. Your background is so impressive, but we want to learn more about you. How did Phoebe become the Phoebe that we see today? What was your upbringing like? Yeah, so I was born and raised in in Shanghai um, until I moved to Australia. Uh, so I went to the Shanghai U- University of Foreign Trade for um, study. So my um, major is in uh, business and, and English. So that's why I came to my first job. And only job that I worked for other people is in a state-owned import and export company dealing with like homewares, gifts, um, um, helping uh, overseas companies sourcing uh, in China. That's why, what I start my career and uh, also start to build my uh, knowledge in, in that space. Um, so at that time, the, the usual is like, you know, every year you will went to the Canton Fair twice a year, stand like, uh, spend like th- almost a month there, um, you know, um, discuss with clients, meeting suppliers. Um, and in 2006, actually, I, I moved to Australia. The actually the original motivation uh, is like ma- many of my other Chinese friends in this import and export industry, just to get a visa that for, easy for travel. But at a time, having a Chinese passport for traveling, it's a little bit hassle. You have to go to every country. You need a separate visa, and that's a long and tedious and time-consuming process. But if I I have our Australia PR, then it's a bit easier for traveling. That's that's where it started. But then when I arrived in Australia, I have to stay a few years to get that, and I fell in love with the country um, um, because it's it's very beautiful. Um, there's the vast land, the, the nature. Like grew up in Shanghai, I'm a city girl, so most of the time I'm like sitting in an office or my usual like um, entertainment is go shopping, very unsustainable <laughs> um, shopping or um, you know dining out, uh, wine and dine or karaoke. Um, but moved to Australia, I, I start to love. I fell in, in love of the outdoor activity. I, I tried a lot. Like I would go hiking. My 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 favorite is actually hiking. It's such a low impact uh, and very healthy. Keep keep me keep keep enough exercise. Even you know, um, you don't need to make too much effort while you you know enjoying the scenery. You get your exercise done. 
And another benefit of hiking is like uh, a lot of t- places we hide is a bit remote than the, the Wi-Fi signal. The, the phone signal is bad. Usually you will have, you will lose signal for a few hours that you really focus on the hiking or the scenery rather than constantly checking on your social media, your phone or work or email. Uh, it's, it's really very, actually, I think, um, Zen for me, like I can like de really deplug in that a few hours and other things like, uh, surfing, you know, in Australia, you gotta, you know, try surfing, even if I'm not good at it at all. Um, and horse riding or archery, just a lot of different, uh, things. And then, and and really start to question the the old products I was helping the other company sourcing at a stage is like oh you know um, it's it's doesn't seem very sustainable and Australia also um, was exposed to a lot of uh, the articles or TV or, or the, the news media talking about start to talk about climate change and the environment issue we faced back in China when I grew up we we didn't know uh, of course now even. China, Chinese government or the China's um, population also were aware of this problem and uh, are doing a lot of things to to address that. But you know, at when at the early times when I just moved to Australia, I like very, very ignorant about this problem. You just don't know what you don't know. Um, so definitely get a lot of education on, on that uh, scientifically, and uh, then start to thinking, you know, as as an eco conscious consumer myself, and also have that connection in the supply chain what can i do about it to start to just so the idea start to brewing it's not instantly it took a few years for that idea actually that i start to action on it right so it's that a few years later that finally i then launched attitude but it is at the time i start to think about it and also i um when i volunteer for the sustainable living festival in melbourne which they um, manage every year they manage the biggest uh, sustainable um, living festival, um, for the whole Australia. Um, like it's like a month event. There's a lot of thing going on. So I went on go volunteer for them for, uh, over a year and also learn a lot first about sustainability and also how the, um, NGO works at the, at the beginning, I would think that's a huge, um, festival and except one full time, director, all, all their human resources or volunteers like myself at the beginning, because back in China, I have not been a volunteer. So I was a bit skeptical how this can be pulled off. I think oh, in like a couple months, that's, this is a huge festival, tens of millions of people come. Is this even possible? But somehow, you know, it, every volunteer hold, hold, um, have their own autonomy and, and be accountable and responsible for their own part of the, the task and the festival every year is a success. So that's also, I learned the power of like, when, um, value aligned people start work together and, um, like kind of miracle happens. It's like, yeah. it's even not about money, right? Everyone is on a volunteer basis. So. Yeah. So that also is, is very inspire, inspirational to me. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So, so much to unplug here. Yeah, so much to unwrap here. I mean, <laughs> first of all, I mean, just your, your sense of awareness, you know, just by being outdoors and hiking. Yeah. I can definitely agree that hiking is one of the best ways for us to unplug too. And being an entrepreneur, it's yeah. really difficult because you're always plugged into like, Oh no, there's an email. I have to check it. Or oh, there's a message. I have to check it. So just being on board, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like the fact that your sense of awareness started increasing as you started questioning sustainability for products. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I think that seed is super important because it did lead you down a path of like creating your company and creating your mission statement, which we think is fantastic. We need more companies like yourself out there. And we really want to continue amplifying your voice for doing something like this because you're one of the rare ones who are committed. We read articles about you. You're so committed that you stopped eating meat like seven years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Just because you're so like understanding of like how these little small things that we use every day, these proteins that we ingest, these these material that we ingest are all impacting our environment. So thank you so much for bringing that awareness. Yeah, I think it's amazing just learning about your background and, you know, what kind of brought you to where you are today. And it's some of the things that we don't normally think about on a day-to-day basis as consumers, but we can have so much power just changing our consumer habits and, you know, really acknowledging that and, you know, making sure that we understand, like, how much impact we can have if we just change our consumer habits. So I really, really love how where you are. Yeah, so walk us through the early stage of Eatitude. Like, how, what was the what was the hardest part about getting started with this company? Because you know, we understand you started in Melbourne and you moved the headquarters to Los Angeles, right? Yeah, so yeah. Process like uh, starting country, like starting a company in different countries and moving headquarters to to yeah. LA. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, first, like any, a lot of the entrepreneur story you heard is that from my double garage back in, in, in Melbourne. Um, and it, it, before that, it took quite a few years to just refine the fabric. So you have to be, have that patience, like, because there's a lot of technology involved in it, a lot of test and error. It's all about like just experimenting batches and batches doesn't work or it's, it's too soft, not strong enough. It's soft is good, but uh, you know, if it's, then it's fragile, it's not good, has to, you know, sustain off a lot of washes up, up product longevity, I, th- I think is also a very important part for sustainability, right? When a product lasts longer, it has a less carbon footprint. So a lot of things at the beginning, the, 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 the fabric's hard to dye very dark colors because it's very smooth and silky. It's hard to take on the dark colors. So we test and test until we can even dye black colors. Um, so just just has to be spent time on it. And um, so the I bootstrap it. So the, uh, the the savings I had from my first uh, trading company, um, sourcing company, I pretty much all put in attitude. Or at, at that time, I still kind of consulting f- uh, for some uh, people sourcing in China to just get some cash to keep supporting when attitude is not generate, um, you know, enough revenue to cover um, the cost. And for a long, long time, I, I didn't have a salary. I might start to hire people to pay them a salary, but like, I don't draw a salary. I live on my own savings. So, um, because otherwise the company won't have enough cash to run. So that could be a hurdle for people who doesn't have saving. Um, so like now attitude is already my second or third, you know, startup before that I you know have some savings. So that's also the initial, otherwise I might not be able to, afford to bootstrap that I have to the day one, I have to raise some money, right? Uh, so that went on uh, for a few years at the time with a small team in Melbourne. I also, of course, use all sorts of alternative where like crowdfunding to launch new product to get additional cash to launch new product line. And also it's a way to do market research. If it's a successful campaign, that means people want it. They already put their money down. So you go on and produce it. It's a low risk. And actually those crowdfunding, especially the one run on Kickstarter, because they're mainly um, US based audiences that start to help also accelerate that even we are at that time purely based in Australia that we get consumers 
have a little bit of brand awareness in the U.S. that we say, oh, the U.S. people seems also really into this. Um, so maybe that laid the foundation of like when we get into the U.S. market, because from day one attitude, I wanted to be an international brand. Um, I, I always know if in Australia, though it's a great country, but there's only that much um, popu population there. So there is a market size problem there. Um, and I also feel the more people know about this product, the more impact we can make. Uh, so it's actually a good thing. So, so after our U.S. revenue grow to about 20, 30% to our total revenue at that time, without any presence in the U.S., we have no people there, no, no warehouse shipping from Australia, people still buy it. I think, okay, now it's time maybe to serious about how to get into the U.S. <laughs> So that's why I start to find a business, try to find a business partner in the U.S. I also know this is a very competitive market. I might start to learn a bit how things in Australia work, so the digital marketing, the e-commerce landscape. But I, I, you know, the U.S. is way more competitive, so I, I don't really think uh, just me alone. Um, I, I probably it will work very fine. So I start to to hunting for a great um, business partner, which is later my U.S. co-founder Cat joined. Uh, which in early 2018. So we launched the dot-com end of 2017, but without, still without any, you know, people representative in the U.S. But we did got a 3PL that to put stock there that we can ship from within the U.S. And then uh, soon I met Kat on AngelList. So I was like putting an ads on AngelList looking for a, a business partner in, in the U.S. And then she find us uh, and I sent her a set of sheets and she fell in love. Um, with it, also the husband is super excited about this. Um, so the, the got the family approval. So uh, th this is great product uh, you should involve in. So we start to work, uh, collaborate online for a few months uh, collectively to push the U.S. market, and then we got accepted in the in accelerator in New York, the Entrepreneur Roundtable Accelerator ERA, which is a great uh, program. So mid of 2018. So I just fly to, to New York. I think when ERA say, hey, okay, Phoebe, you're in, I just like bought air tickets um, and fly to, to, to the US within a week. So that, at that stage, so see, that's where an Australian passport is useful that I don't need to go through the visa um, process because it's uh, within three months. If you only stay in three months, that's, uh, you don't need a visa. So I can instantly react to the opportunity uh, because they, they, they need both funder to be you know, present there, especially. Um, so did four months. That's very extensive because uh, every day the, the program is very full, uh, a lot of training, um, how to refine your marketing strategy, refine your message, how to pitch, uh, especially the pitching part, how to raise money. And uh, so every day I get up pretty early, do the full day. And at night I kind of stay late because I still need to manage the Australian team. So manage like two times so. um so that four months but i always know it, you know okay four yeah. months but i i can run cannot run like that for a year so um i can do it four months but we're very aware of it uh, we actually took a break i think because there's july 4th uh so mm -hmm. that's a, like a public holiday and my co-founder cat and my husband both have birthday on that day oh, so wow. we actually took a short break uh, even the accelerator have a like a long weekend holiday so we took a break um you know rest a few days and recharge and uh, you know finish the next um but i definitely think that that's really helpful for program especially for me i don't have a very extensive network in the u.s um 
So that really helped also a lot of the very helpful networks, um, investor in, introductions. So most of our investors on the cap table are from New York or East Coast, a lot wow. from the ERA network. So, so that really helped. Awesome. Um, so we, so after graduation, then we moved down to Los Angeles because we always know New York is temporary just for the program. Though Kat has been living in New York 20 years, but she planned to move down to California too, mm-hmm. where she joined. So that's, that's the goal at, at the beginning because we know East Coast, it's just very hard to work with Australian team. It's just mm-hmm. too... It's not, there's no work-life balance if we, <laughs> we choose New York uh, East Coast as our headquarter to try to work with the Australian team. So West Coast is much better. Um, oh, wow. um, yeah, so we moved down to Los Angeles November the 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then we start to grow the US team from then. Uh, before we moved down, we already hired our first hire remotely um, in, in Los Angeles setup our office in a co-working place and then when we came down we hired uh another two um and then and also interesting at the time during the whole um accelerator cat is pregnant uh and have her first children you know that year uh november um so so proved you can you know raise kids and run a successful startup <laughs> um yeah um so, and then the, the, the company started to really ramping up and grow really fast uh, from that point on. Uh, we raised a couple uh, of notes before that seed round, 1.5 million. So, um, and then until we're ready to raise a seed round. Um, so the team from originally when I, when I left Australia, we have four people plus me five. Now we have 27. Uh, 18 in the area, nine in, back in Australia. We, we grow the team um, both in both uh, offices. And I think because day one, we are very comfortable work like remotely or across time region. So the COVID didn't hit us that much. Um, people suddenly to have to get used to how to collaborate online or in a virtual background. The US AU team is always talk on, on Zoom or Google Hangout or use Slack and Asana, you know, before the COVID hit. Um, so I think we're quite lucky actually positioned very well for that crisis. Yeah. I mean, I just want to give you guys a shout out because, uh, you made it sound very, very easy, <laughs> you know, especially oh. the, the bootstrapping part was extremely difficult <laughs> for a lot of founders, mm. you know, mm. most founders don't plan for that long of a bootstrap <laughs> or that runway. It's, it's super important to consider, um, yeah, I just wanted to say um, it, it's just so amazing just seeing your progress. And I can see why, you know, you were able to expand in the United States, because I feel like a lot of consumers in the United States, they really want to live their values now. Right. And they, they mm, focus a yeah. lot on sustainability. They look into like, what am I actually purchasing? Is it actually going to be a good impact mm-hmm. in the world? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think there's a really big market for that in the United States. And um, mm. I, I want to know, like, you know, right after you kind of moved your headquarters to the United States, um, mm-hmm. were able to expand and you started, you know, getting, you started fundraising. Um, what was that internal process of fundraising like for you? And did you go through any challenges in the process of fundraising at that time? Yeah. I also want to highlight the challenges of being a female founder yeah. as well. Uh, something that we look to continue to break down and inspire 
members or community to, in order to take more action. We want to support more female founders. Yeah, female and we are also a minority group as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I think, yes, definitely maybe by, by statistic, uh, it's, it's way less, especially I think U.S. is a little bit better than Australia. Australia overall just raising money is a bit harder because the, the VC industry there is much smaller, right? Much, a little bit less vibrant. So U.S. already have more, more opportunity and also the, the risk tolerance is also a bit higher. They are really, they can bet, bet on a bit early stage companies. Um, so that's, that's a little bit better. So that's why we were able to raise in the U.S. So I was never able to raise back in Australia. Um, but I think definitely the ERA network and introduction helped and also that they train us a lot, but it is difficult. But I also heard like by 80 people you talk to, maybe one will write you a check. Um, I don't know if it's a myth or it's actually a statistic. Then I think our odds, our statistics is better than that. I think maybe talk to 40 to 60 people, we get a check. <laughs> but of course, at the beginning, I said, we, we, we collect small checks, right? At the beginning, it's like angels and the angel notes round. Um, so you can start small. I think these days, entrepreneurs actually have a lot of choices instead of going instantly to aim a very big round when you have not proven, start to raise um, notes and then make use that money to make some progress and then show the, the, the people that, oh, I can make progress with this money and very efficient. Then the initial people who are back you, if they have more money, they will be in the second round and then they will convince other people and other people say, oh, okay, this is now a little bit bigger. Instead of one big round, you actually space that into the different um, milestones and show them that you can consistently hit what you said you're going to do. That's how the trust built. Otherwise, like they, they didn't know you for years or I, I have not like other um, uh, like a, a big exit that they can, oh, okay, Phoebe had done that, exit a billion dollar company before, okay, it's safe to bet her, right? So so I think that to give them that confidence. So I, I think uh, a, a lot of the investors keep just following on. Also, uh, our lead investor in, this, in the seed round is also early on angel investor, like participate in each round to see our progress and when he just started investors is use his own money as angel and now and just coming as as lead that vc round because when he he just see your progress right that give him the confidence that okay the product works the team the team is the right team to to put this off so i think that might be one way to to kind of you know get the statistics a bit better uh, as as female and as minority mm. Wow, that is that is amazing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I I know like you're doing so much and you have mm-hmm. done so much already. Out of curiosity, how do you take care of yourself and take care of your mental health? Because that's something that I feel like has been talked a lot more, but not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of yeah. mental stress, anxiety, uh, <laughs> lack of sleep yeah. mm-hmm. that goes into being an entrepreneur that a lot of people don't see. Because a lot of us see the glamour part where it's like, oh, nice car, mm-hmm. nice house, big company, yeah. employees. But how do you take care of yourself when no one's looking? Yeah, and we know that you're really into just like your everyday routine. I know we know that you mm-hmm. wake up early, you mm-hmm. make sure that you, know, you get your exercise in. I'd love mm-hmm. to know your, your routine as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think exercise, regular exercise, not, 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 not necessarily have to be every day, but two to three times a week. Um, um, I think I, um, I think the bad thing I, I got into is CrossFit a few years ago. I actually got into that for prepare for my wedding. I just want to look good in the wedding dress. 
But then that habit stick, and I find it's a very efficient training um, process to to keep my uh, you know base uh, health very strong, mm-hmm. not uh, bypass the, the 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 body part. Actually, I don't train that for that anymore. But I think a little bit weight training is a very efficient um, to give you that basic level of of health. Um, actually, since COVID, I didn't even have any cold. Uh, because I would be very aware, do I have a fever? Do I have a cold, right? During the whole COVID, I think everyone, I, and then I noticed I didn't even have a single cold because maybe wear a mask or you don't go out that much because I didn't even get any flu. Usually if I have a cold, it's flu. So just by my normal day to day, I don't have any sickness for like the last 18 months. Uh, and eating healthy, I, I have stopped eating meat for a couple of years because my husband is a long-term vegetarian. Uh, so after we met each other, we kind of landed something in the middle, so we become more like a pescatarian, so some occasional seafood, but don't eat meat. Um, so I, I think that also helps. Um, so our, our, our diet, diet is quite clean. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you and, take care uh, of health in terms of like, huh? how do you take care of your mental health in terms of like- Mental health, yeah. So I think actually, you know, exercise helped mental health. So sometimes um, every weekend we we always try to be outdoor. Uh, during lockdown, we just do daily walk. If I can, I go to the gym. And uh, or I like uh, when I can. We actually during the COVID, we take on the habit of sailing because that's the place when you can't take off your. Um, mask when you are out in the sea with fresh water. Um, so I think during SARS, when I, that was when I was back in Shanghai, right? I also, you know, went through SARS. So at the time, how to keep me insane is all to go play golf, though I hate golf, but it's only only you go out <laughs> on the green. So I think be in the green, being a, a, a nature environment, it's really healing. So if you can, either the ocean or uh, the greens, uh, you know, if you have have something, if I have a backyard or go out for walk in the woods, uh, I, th- I think that's really recharging. And also sometimes to, to yoga, I have that down dog app, find that also very useful. I also like that inside timer, there's a yoga nindra, uh, which is help sleep. I think to sleep enough, uh, I think running a start doesn't mean you don't sleep, you still need to, I only sometimes jeopardize me sleep only if I know it's a short period of time, mm-hmm. I will not run that deficit for a long time because that's definitely damaging your mental health if you don't have good and quality sleep. Um, it makes such such a big difference. So I have an aura ring to track it. So even it might be not that 100% accurate, but it gives you that baseline and also awareness if you every day check your number. Oh, okay, last night seems not one of my great nights. Maybe today I shouldn't push too hard or have a nap. Um, usually I have, if I feel very tired in the afternoon, I just turn on that yoga ninja and just like power nap for 20 minutes. I have a hack. Uh, so before that, drink a cup of coffee and do that. And 20 minutes, you click in and you don't need an alarm to, to wake up. So the caffeine will wake you up. Then you feel like instantly energized to, 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 to launch in, into work. But the reason I feel because my night sleep quality is getting better and better, mm-hmm. I don't need that um, afternoon nap anymore. Like the whole day, I stay quite, quite alert or energetic. I, I think so. If you get that eight-hour solid sleep, 
that that also solve a lot of mental health issue. Um, and and talking about anxiety, yes, during the COVID, that's when also we would try to close that round. We, we we were thinking we might not be able to close the round, so that's a lot of definitely a lot of anxiety uh, going on. And you notice in the body at that time, I I have this rash on my body. I don't know where it comes from. It's like is it allergic or something? I think it's stress. Uh, I, so I Googled it, of course, as you Google everything, I think it's almost like a stress rash, um, for one week or two weeks and then it start to go away. So I also notice your mental health direct connect to your body, right? Your body is going to manifest that stress somehow, mm. uh, you know, so it should not just like let it sit in. So have to release, uh, release it somehow by exercise or meditation, or, or whatever, just have to do something. Otherwise, your body will already warn you like something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I also lucky I have a very supportive husband. I think a lot of men also say, oh, you know, that they have a supportive wife, but the same, vice versa, you know. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of emotional support here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You, you need, need to talk to someone and vent to someone when things are just going bad. And things <laughs> go bad every day. You know? <laughs> just, just I love how aware yeah, you are. Yeah. A lot of founders, they are not aware of their mental health and the fact that they need to rest sometimes and how much is too much, right? And what they need to do mm-hmm. to be moving forward. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about your product. So I know that we know that Attitude is now using the world's first 100% organic bamboo lyocell fabric. I want to mm-hmm. know about the process of just inventing this fabric and just like the trials and errors that you went through, because I know that, you know, there's so many other founders out there that are trying to like perfect their product and they go through so many iterations and trials and errors and processes of perfecting it. Talk about, you know, the process that you went through, just trying to like perfect this. I'm sure you went through many, many different iterations. It's just trying to perfect the perfect. Yeah. App. Yeah. Well, I think, I think a lot of technologies always built on former technologies. And I think, also think, I think at the time when I started the idea, I also noticed a lot of uh, innovation happened in the fashion industry. They are always a bit ahead of the home textile, uh, just being more um, more resource or consumer demand. So the fashion industry at that time is already moving that way. And there's a lot of new and interesting uh new fabric possible technology was 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 around or uh, factories or institutions are are developing those um so the the bamboo lysa technology is kind of the to to turn bamboo into fabric is not that new it's actually already been around 20 30 years but the first and the second generation is not that eco-friendly sustainable as you think it was but the bamboo itself yes but the process uh, which is rayon and viscose process is still use toxic um, materials that use and need a lot of water. Um, so the lifestyle technology is kind of standing on the former technology, but they refine that process to use organic um, Amazon to dissolve the bamboo. So there's no harmful chemical involved and also really refine that to turn that into a closed loop um production that we recycle the water and the resolution itself uh, within it. So it's, it's, it's more efficient and also much more sustainable. So last year we actually did a three-party LCCA uh, and report analysis to just compare our production to cotton. So mm-hmm. it kind of scientifically pro- approved. It saved um, 500 times more water. So once she said, uh, our, our sheet said, once she said only 
use 18 gallons, while a, 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 a cotton one use 8,000 gallons. But a lot of the water usage of cotton is really on you grow the cotton that need a lot of water, which bamboo rely on rainwater, which almost like none. The, the most water consumption as interesting, not in the production because we also recycle the water in the production. It's actually come from the electricity we use because you need a machinery to still dissolve the pulp and spun that into a fiber. And to generate electricity, you need some amount of water. So that's almost like very minimal. Um, so we also like fully carbon neutral now. Um, so just to see how we can just like the, the least impact on our product. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I love just learning about the science behind it and how you're continually trying to find ways to be more sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so aside from bedding, you know, today you also offer like sleepwear and accessories, mm-hmm. bath towels, robes, and so many other different products. When did you decide, okay, now we should probably expand past gutting and go into all these different other uh, products. And what was that process like when you decided to kind of expand into other products? Yeah. So the the sleepwear, the PJ is really the consumer asked for it. Mm-hmm. So and the consumer write to us, oh, your bedding is so comfortable. Sometimes they just wear the flat sheet and lounging around. I guess just want to be wrapped into that silky fabric. They say, oh, can you make that into proper PJs that we can actually wear? I think, sure, if you, you want it. Um, it's just cut and sew. It's the same fabric. So that's actually really purely from the, the consumer demand. Uh, and then since then, it's always been popular. Um, especially during COVID, PJ is selling really well. Everyone want to, you know, you know, very comfortable, soft uh, material and just like lounging, even work from home. Uh, and I think the bath, usually bed and bath, like it's a very natural extension. And we also be able to use the same bamboo lysol material, but in a different weaving into uh, the towel weaving. But the, the yarn is pretty much the same. So it has all the benefit uh, the bedding has. Um, so a lot of, I think first is from what is uh, the fiber, the fabric strength is on its softness, on its, uh, sustainability, on its, um, healthy to, to, to your skin. There's no, um, bad chemical. So I think anything actually touch your skin, I think it's where the next expansion is like more like, you know, that will be something around your skin that I think we can all explore. So that's what it, the, the sorting. So play on stress, definitely. Like I would not go on, okay, how about we make a shoe? Like I know nothing about shoe, right? Or we might not even, yeah, 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 yeah. Or mm, let's do some furniture. No, so, so maybe we kind of, oh, yeah, always kind of soft goods, we call it. If it's there's an industry word about it, it's like soft goods. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I love how you kind of incorporate your customers' feedback because it's, it's so that's important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so what's next for, yeah. for you and your company? You know, we want to hear what the plans are for the rest of 2021 and 2022. I think the next big milestone, so I think we are very close to be or be B Corp. So there's some wow. final steps and uh, yeah. So hopefully, definitely, hopefully that can be, um, realized this year. Uh, and also we are finalized our, we want to also commit to a few of the, uh, the United Nations, um, environment goals, the wow. UN SDG goals, uh, there are 17 of them. Wow. Um, we are still, finalized. we will commit to three to four of them and have a roadmap. Um, so we are already carbon neutral. We probably want to look further how to be carbon negative. Um, so not even just neutral, but also how to 
take back or historically how much we generated. Um, so definitely pushing more in that boundary. And uh, this year, a big project also refine our packaging to be also more sustainable and also look good. Um, um, and also keep pushing on the on the revenue size. So yeah. probably, yeah, launch, launch new products, new colors. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. The ambition and I love the vision. So thank you for mm -hmm. that. Yeah, we're excited to hear more from Attitude. So I do have a question. Um, I want to know, like, as a consumer, in your perspective, what are some habits that consumers can adopt to ensure that they're more eco-conscious and um, promoting sustainability? Like, if I don't, if I just don't know where to start, right? Um, but I do want to make a good impact on our environment, and I do want to promote sustainability. Do you have any tips on consumer habits that we can adopt? I think the, the the most impact is always like consume less. It's even okay. Our product is a bit better than conventional, but it still have an impact. Um, the if you can recycle or reuse, um, it's always better. So, um, but and if you buy new products, make sure it's it's high quality. It has a long product um, life cycle, or the company might figure out a way how to recycle it. Um, so it also has minimum impact. I think yeah. it's, it's, it's the first step. Um, I'm not sure if anyone can give up meat, but actually uh, consume less meat is also, uh, that's a lot of um, yeah. um, emission there. Uh, but I, I love those like uh, beyond meat, I think, you know, I still sometimes missing that, that taste. It's, it's fine, right? We are human, but so it's all about entrepreneurs figure out product that as good as the conventional ones that they shouldn't like want a consumer to sacrifice. Right. Um, so, so I think buy, buy less, um, buy multifunction things. So if one thing, uh, suits like multifunction thing is also cut waste. Um, and also if you can repair something, not just throw it away, try to repair it. So definitely love what Patagonia do that, like repair things. It's all, almost also significant cut the carbon emission of, of a product. Um, and yeah, if, if you, if you can walk, then walk or bike instead of drive everywhere. Uh, so we also encourage in a company to carpooling or, or I'm thinking of buying a bike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So during COVID, you can see the LA, uh, the 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 air is so clear. You can see really far. You can see the yeah. snow mountains. You can see up to the sea. Where now you, you can't see it, and the, the smog coming back again. It's very obvious <laughs> evidence, right? <laughs> yeah, that's very helpful. Thank you so much, Phoebe. So we have one last question for you, and that is, if you could give one advice to an aspiring entrepreneur, what would that one advice be? Yeah, well, I have one one of my favorite. So some people always always laugh at just ask a ton of advice and then actively ignore most of it, you know, yeah. because nobody knows your company better than you. So even in in ERA, we have a lot of advisor mentors. Sometimes they come in and give one hundred eighty degree different advices. Right? If you don't have your own thought process, who you should listen, then you don't know what to do. You also like free froze. Like okay. This person said A, that person said B, what should I do, right? So so you should trust yourself that you know what's the best for your company. But to hear a lot of advice, to take feedback, it's it's just to, they might show you the blind spot you didn't aware before, then you can make 
a good decision based on that. Uh, but you definitely need to make your own thinking and what's the best solution for your company at that particular moment. You know, some advice may be correct, but not yet. Maybe two years down the road, you know, what is the best solution for at that at that particular time for your particular company um, is what, you know, people need to think about. Otherwise, like there's so many advice everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah. So it's like listen, but don't be overly influenced by everyone. Yeah, exactly. Advice. Exactly. Where can our listeners find out more about you and attitude online? Yeah, well, definitely visit our website. And if you're interested in our impact report talking about um, the sustainable effort and uh, we, we put in. Um, so you just look at the footer, there's a link uh, called impact that's linked to our last year's impact report is, which is also our first impact impact report. We will release uh, one each, each year from now on. Um, so there's a lot of um, data in there. If you're interested to, to read, you can know a lot, lot about our products, uh, our uh, internal process, our company culture, uh, and you can, they can always find me on LinkedIn. Happy to connect with any other entrepreneurs. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much, Phoebe. It was amazing hearing your story today. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thank you, Phoebe. Appreciate thank you. you for. Hey, guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much. This podcast was made with Descript. Descript is a groundbreaking new media tool that allows creators to edit audio and video like a text document and create a realistic clone of their own voice for seamless edits. Please check out our Patreon at Asian Hustle Network. We want Asian to continue being meaningful and give back to the Asian community. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to contribute to our feature, we hope you become a patron.